Hi, it's Jesse here. This episode is a re-release of a previously recorded episode. We thought this was too good to let it sit with the sound quality that we got on our first production, so we've remastered this one, and hopefully it can be one for the ages. So please enjoy and share with your friends. Hi, my name's Tori, and I wish I knew more about blood products. Hi, my name's Letitia. I wish I knew more about taking care of myself when starting shift work. Hi, my name is Lydia. I wish I would know more about how to work as in a team and solve conflict. Hello, welcome to Five Things, the nursing podcast from the Royal Brisbane and Women's Hospital. My name is Liz Crow. I'm Jesse Spur, and this is a podcast by, for, and with the amazing nurses and health professionals in our corner of the world. We hope to connect with a global community as we move from surviving to thriving. Welcome to Five Things. Hello, my name is Liz Crow. And I'm Jesse Spur. And today we've got something really special for you embedded into the 14 days self-care package. And we're speaking with Dr. Stan Steindl, who's an adjunct professor at the University of Queensland, a clinical psychologist, co-director of the UQ Compassionate Mind Research Group, And he's the author of a wonderful book called The Gifts of Compassion, How to Understand and Overcome Suffering. And you can find Stan on Twitter at Stan Steindl. Welcome, Stan. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I'm delighted to have this little conversation with you both. Awesome. So in typical fashion, Stan, we'd like to get to know you a little bit and a bit about your background and how you've ended up where you are now. Okay. Um, Well, I'm a clinical psychologist. Um, I think I first started work as a clinical psychologist in about 1994 or 1995. Uh, So a long time ago now. uh, And I began at Royal Brisbane Hospital. I was working in uh, eating disorders and and chronic pain. and really have kind of worked in, in Queensland Health, you know, for several years and, and uh, ended up in alcohol and drug services as well. Uh, it was a bit after that that I moved into private practice. So I've been in private practice as a clinical psychologist since about 1999. Um, I think I had my 20th anniversary a few years ago. So it's sort of equal parts exciting and terrifying <laughs> that time flies really. But um, but there's two things that I thought I'd mention. One is that I am very interested in motivational interviewing. And then the other area that perhaps is really relevant to today is compassion-focused therapy. So how do we start to cultivate that part of ourselves that is compassionate in order to, well, be compassionate to others, which is obviously a a big part of our role in the in the health sort of world, um, but also how we might start to be compassionate towards ourselves as well, and that's probably the key piece for uh, you know looking at this this self care kind of stuff that you're exploring at the moment. So the reason I wanted to explore self forgiveness is that um, obviously in healthcare, lots of people, hopefully the majority of our staff. Um, they come 
because they have a caring, nurturing sense of themselves, they want to bring their skills to help, you know, patients and families on often what is their worst days. Uh, They are a wonderful cohort of people. However, when we look at who they are to themselves as individuals, they can be very harsh, almost very mean. I always say not, not a very good friend to themselves. We just obviously are still in the tail end of a pandemic where people have worked exceptionally hard and people are still full of self-criticism. So I really wanted to explore with you today this whole idea of self-forgiveness. So we might just kick off. If you could tell us, you know, your number one point is what is forgiveness and what isn't forgiveness? Yeah, so I think this is an important place to start because sometimes people will have a sense of of forgiveness that that kind of almost makes it harder for them perhaps um you know that they have to forgive and forget or or something like that and and that can cause people to sort of balk at the idea so so I was going to separate it actually in terms of forgiving others and then exploring forgiving ourselves because forgiving others is is really when we feel kind of hurt by someone else, that, that someone has done something that's hurt us. We perhaps feel anxious or sad or, or distressed in response to that. But the other piece of it is we can start to develop this, this building kind of anger or resentment that, that, that really, um, and, and so forgiveness is really about being able to, to sort of soften or even let go of that anger and, and resentment and, and sort of come to a place of acceptance, but also kind of moving forward with that. Um, and, and one of the things to think about is, is okay, so what isn't forgiveness, I guess, is, is, some, is something to consider. And, and so forgiveness certainly isn't condoning or giving permission for you know, that person to continue treating us in that way. It, it is about you know, establishing certain boundaries. Forgiveness actually doesn't really need to have a, an apology from that person either. You know, sometimes if we hold on and wait for the apology, then, then, you know, it, it, it never comes actually, you know, sometimes. And so that can keep us very trapped. Um, and, and forgiveness also may or may not result in us staying in relationship with that person too. You know, sometimes it can be important to forgive, but to also perhaps end that relationship. Forgiveness doesn't mean we, we need to forget. I think sometimes people can hold on to, you know, I can forgive, but I'm not going to forget. But, you know, sometimes that's not quite forgiveness. But it is important to be able to have a kind of a light touch remembering of, you know, what perhaps the person did and, and really making sure that, that we sort of prevent them harming us like that again. So, so what about self-forgiveness? Well, well, that's similar. You know, there's a number of aspects there that are, are similar to forgiving others, but you know, there's also some differences. So sometimes self-forgiveness might be necessary when perhaps we're the ones who have you know, caused harm, maybe to others or, or maybe to ourselves as well. You know, it might in, involve self-forgiveness. Um, and we might experience, again, anxiety or, or sadness or distress uh, in, in response to that, but also maybe other feelings like regret or guilt um, or maybe anger directed towards ourselves, you know, that, that sort of sense of, of self-loathing or even shame. And so it, it 
self-forgiveness is very important because uh, when we have done something that troubles us or stays in mind, it can lead to some fairly, you know, sort of, you know, well, difficult consequences. So again, though, you know, in self-forgiveness, self-forgiveness, we're not really condoning what we did. We're not sort of giving ourselves permission to to kind of keep doing that or, yeah, or doing the it behavior. again. We're not wanting to repeat the behavior. Um, but it does mean just softening the way that we think about it. It means finding strength around perhaps what we did um, and committing to not doing it again. One little thing, though, about self-forgiveness that I think can be really important, especially for, for health practitioners as well, is, is just this little nuance that we kind of need to do a little check you know, around appropriate responsibility as well, because it's quite common for us to take responsibility for all things, you know, and, and, um, and even blame ourselves for things that perhaps we needn't punish ourselves over. So in a funny sort of a way, self-forgiveness is that first little check, you know, what, what's that, what's my appropriate level of responsibility here? Having the discernment, I guess, around all of that, and then letting go of the things that maybe are outside of our responsibility. And then while having the strength to forgive ourselves for those things that perhaps are our responsibility and committing to not doing those again. Yeah. So many important points there, but I I really like that idea of softening, you know, because I think when we are ruminating, when we feel like we've done something wrong and we can't let it go, we're such harsh critics of ourselves. Um, And just being able to think, you know, how can I reflect on this differently or how can I, I like that term, just soften it a little bit and think, is is there possibly another truth to this? Mm, Yes. Actually, one of the things that I've been thinking a bit about lately is, and I don't know if this is too strong a word, I'd be interested what you think, but it's a kind of a clinician shame, really. You know, it's, it's this feeling that I'm not good enough or I'm not, I'm not helping people or the clinicians around me are, are doing so much better or, you know, there's this sort of little burning feeling in the back of our mind of, of clinician shame. And I, I think this, perhaps this is almost sort of um, point two yeah. is, is, you know, what's the consequences of not forgiving ourselves? And, and that can actually be that we go down that path of, of shame. Well, I think that's really good, and I'm really happy to make that segue to kind of that what to point to being what is yes. what is the consequence of not forgiving ourselves. A quote from Nelson Mandela, which I, I'll have to paraphrase, but um, you know, it's along the lines of when he left Robben Island Prison, he felt that he he really chose to forgive his jailers because. If he didn't, he he would never really be free, and and I think that's what can happen for us is that, you know that that's kind of the consequence if, if we're if we and it's not easy to to forgive oneself, but if when if we if we don't begin to forgive and begin to soften the way we kind of relate to ourselves around things, then we stay trapped and 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 we we sort of we we end up with that kind of very vicious cycle of of worry and rumination, you know, guilt and and shame. The other thing I think we see is healthcare professionals because, you know, one of the first principles do no harm and sometimes accidentally harm is done 
Or sometimes people just come to us too ill, too injured, and despite our best skills and our best efforts, you know, people still die or people still have, you know, horrendous consequences as a result of this. And you see this often when we're doing debriefs and stuff where people are, it's almost like this magical thinking. You know, if I, if I had just managed to, if I could have come in, if the person could have, if these events on this day. And so people are unable to forgive themselves for really, as you spoke of in point one, things that they were never responsible for. Mm, so yes. I guess we're asking you to kind of speak a little bit outside your, you know, in terms of expertise, but this whole thing, you know, going back to point one where you were saying, how do you put some boundaries or some, like, how do you decide when you're ruminating and there's so much emotion behind something? How can you differentiate about actually what was my responsibility and what is outside of my realm of control and maybe forgiveness or a softening approach to this is what's required? Yes. Well, the, the, it, it takes a lot of strength and courage, really, to do this. It, it means really turning one's attention to, you know, kind of the, the actions that perhaps, you know, occurred there and, and really having the courage to, to be discerning. Because one aspect is that mistakes can happen yeah. and there might be something that we did probably unintentionally that, that might have kind of caused some sort of hurt or, or harm. And so to be able to sort of note notice those and, and bring awareness to the things that perhaps did happen. Um, and sometimes that will result in feelings of regret or, or guilt. And, and I, I would like to come back to, you know, guilt and, and perhaps shame and the differences there. But so that's the first thing is to be able to really have that, that courage to sort of notice the things that the mistakes that were made. But also it takes, oddly enough, a lot of courage to really sort of acknowledge what wasn't our fault or our responsibility and, and to, to de-blame, you know, some of, some of that uh, because we can get very caught in the if onlys, mm. you know, if only I'd done this or if only that would happen. It, it is a kind of a magical thinking in a way. Um, and I think it, it's a funny one because we often think if only I'd done that, which kind of it's kind of creating this wish for things to have been different in a way, and and of course they can't be different, and and so trying to be able to discern there that that perhaps you know this things just happen in this way we, yeah. we were and and to to be able to to kind of soften the the, the kind of the the way we relate to ourselves around that you you mentioned as well, I mean there's so many. Juicy topics here, yeah. isn't there, to talk about? But you mentioned to self-criticism mm. and that kind of harsh, hostile, self-condemning self-criticism. You know, that's often whirring away in the background and, and can be very, very difficult, very problematic in, in terms of, um, well, just our own well-being, but in terms of being able to forgive ourselves. Mm. Do you want to just quickly explore for us the difference between guilt and shame? Yeah, let, let's have a think about that because sometimes, you know, guilt and shame, you know, it's, they're often mentioned in the one breath in a way, you know, mm. people sort of put them as a, as a pigeon pair or something. Um, but in some ways, guilt really relates to something that we perhaps have done. You know, I've, I've done something bad. And, and often that comes from 
oddly enough, a caring motivation. We don't want to hurt another person. We, we want to be helpful and we want to do well by them. And so um, we feel guilt when we have this sense that we've done something bad. From an evolutionary point of view, um, guilt has, a, has an important function, which is to then motivate us to make amends or to repair the damage that, that we might have done. It's interesting what you were saying before, Jesse, about, um, you know, kind of sometimes we can get caught in a bit of a, a guilt cycle. And one of the dangers there is that there isn't something that we can do to make amends or to repair what happens. And so that can be, you know, kind of a, a difficult part of that. Shame is, so where guilt is, I've done something bad Shame is I am bad. Yeah. And that really comes much more, less, less from a caring motivation like guilt and more from a threat protection motivation. It, it's a threat system kind of emotion. And it really is about feeling like I am inferior, inadequate, unlovable, no good. Uh, and really that has much more of a motivation away to, to hide, to escape, to avoid. Um, with guilt, we often feel like we want to approach the person perhaps who we feel like we may have harmed with shame. It's much more about hiding away, retreating, withdrawing. And that's one of the important things, isn't it, about self-forgiveness. So say I'm filled with shame because I believe or perceive, or maybe I have done something that has caused harm to myself or to others or altered the course of the way life was going to be. Um, I've I've personally never met anyone who shamed themselves into doing better, being better, or being well. I'm a basketball fanatic, and so at the risk of an overly reductionist metaphor, I, I really see this idea of um, I missed a game, a potentially game-winning shot. So my guilt is going to be my shooting form was not good on that shot. I am going to go and practice. I am not going to do that again. Um, I'm going to apologize to my teammates for taking a bad shot. I'm owning it accountable, but I'm going to focus on the shot, not me as a person who is a bad shooter and can't perform. So the shame, I guess, analogy there would be I'm hopeless at basketball. I can't have the ball in my hands at the end of a game because I'm going to lose it because I'm a loser. That's going to be demotivating. I'll probably quit yeah. basketball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's actually a Perfect. beautiful way to to distinguish it. I think this leads beautifully into your number three point, which is understanding self-forgiveness as an act of self-compassion. Can you talk us through what that means for you? Yeah. Well, actually, forgiving others and forgiving ourselves really is, is kind of, you know, they, 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 these are both acts of compassion. We mentioned before recording, you know, the, the, the old saying, anger is like, drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Mm. If we sort of feel this anger or resentment or we feel this self-loathing or shame, actually that is what's going to, um, you know, kind of cause us to suffer. Mm. And to forgive another person, firstly, you know, that, that's actually a very important act of, of self-compassion um, because, you know, um, it's painful for the one that's holding the anger. Mm. It's, it's painful for the one that's holding the, the resentment. And, and so 
to, to forgive them is actually a, a, a recognition, you know, really a, a sort of a, an acknowledgement and awareness that in fact, we're the ones that are suffering from our own anger and resentment and, and to let go of all of that and to forgive means to, to reduce our own suffering. I mean, it, it's forgiveness, forgiving others is also an act of compassion for them too, in a sense, especially where we are wanting to maintain a relationship with that person and we want to be able to help relieve them of their feelings of guilt or, or you know, to facilitate that through good uh, relating and, and so on. So it is a, an act of compassion for others as, as well. But self-forgiveness is certainly um, an act of self-compassion. It's a recognition or a sensitivity of our own suffering in around all of that and trying, being, being committed to trying to alleviate or prevent our own suffering. And, and so, um, you know, especially guilt and shame, I mean, these are very, very painful emotions and, and, and shame in particular is, is really, you know, kind of leads to depression and so on. And so to begin to forgive ourselves really helps us to, to, to suffer a little less perhaps mm. from what we've done. And certainly if we really haven't done that, you know, it, it sort of helps us to alleviate some of our own suffering. Yeah. I found practically for me trying to think a little bit about my emotional threshold, how much space below my threshold where I start to not be able to cope and function as I'd like to do I have and therefore what can I do to create more space in there? And I often realize holding on to stuff that actually has no resolution or purpose to get better, to make me feel better, to improve a relationship, placing unrealistic expectations on relationships is a big one with that, I think, with that maybe I hadn't thought of it as forgiveness, but sometimes it's actually just going, I'm just going to have the relationship with that person that I can have, be it family, be it friends, rather than the one that I ideally want. And that creates a lot of space, removing some of the, the expectations that I held for a relationship on what it's going to be like, what the values are going to be like when you kind of go, they're not shared values between the two of us, so we're never going to get there. And it's always going to be me giving a hell of a lot more emotional energy to that to try and achieve something there. I guess that's just a reflection that it's really landed on me, what you're saying is about that self-forgiveness can be a, a really important thing of going actually, my expectation is not realistic of what I'm going to be able to achieve here. And I'm going to just be constantly keeping myself just under my threshold as, uh, uh, my, where I tip over and become non-productive and I'm struggling to cope. So I've got to let some of that go. Yes, imagine, you know, sort of turning up to work at the beginning of a shift and having this thing in the back of your mind about, you know, I've, I've I, yesterday I did such and such, you know, I feel... Um, that was so bad, you know, what, what if this goes wrong? What if that goes wrong? I, I'm, I'm a bad nurse or, you know, yeah. and, and you're rocking up to work with all of that yeah. taking up bandwidth. Um, and, of course, then that's sort of threat system activating. Now you're in a kind of a fight-flight mode right from the start of the shift. Um, there's not a lot. Of, it's, it's much harder then to just open up your awareness to, okay, what, what can I do next? What, what's my next step to just you know, do my job and be productive and, and, you know, be helpful to people. And so I, I think that's right. I think it's self-forgiveness really does, well, kind of, yeah, open up a whole bunch of bandwidth that we can then use to be really constructive in, in our, our work. Yeah. Terrific. 
So I think that leads beautifully into your number four point is like, how do we actually go about forgiving ourselves, Stan? Because, you know, we're so good at judging ourselves. We're so good at being self-critical. How do, how do you learn these skills about how to forgive yourself? Yes. Oh, look at the time. I, I, I must go. No, <laughs> no, we will. That's, it, it's an interesting one because it's not easy. You know, like it's very, all very well for us to, to sort of talk about these things. In fact, in, I mean, forgiving others isn't easy. Uh, but self-forgiveness is sort of almost just that little bit harder level, again. It, it? it is a little bit or can be certainly. Yeah. And, and, um, I think in some ways the first step, uh, just to speak to what you were saying before is, is how do we slow down the body and slow down the mind? First of all, you know, we're, we're, we're really wanting to, um, you know, when, when thinking through things that have happened or what's been done and the consequences of all that. The first bit is really to create a, a, a sense of calmness there. I have a, a close colleague in, in the UK, Dr. Deborah Lee, who sort of says, a calm mind thinks differently. And, and so it's often the first step just to open up a little bit of, again, the bandwidth, just to have that sense of calmness, to start to think differently about this, this sort of thing. Um, then the, the next step is, is really just to remind ourselves that we have tricky brains. I mean, it sounds a bit funny in some ways, but, you know, we, we're we sort of born, um, you know, kind of just, we just arrive here uh, and we have these brains that we don't get to choose. You know, they're, they're brains that have evolved over millions of years and they have all these different background functions and they're not perfect. You know, there are trade-offs, you know, in some ways our brains are exquisitely powerful. You know, look look at all we've accomplished as a species, I suppose. Um, but there are trade-offs, you know, we have certain um, thoughts or feelings, urges, desires, behaviors, we make mistakes, you know, that's kind of, and, and sometimes our brains can be really quite unruly and, and um, you know, chaotic even. And so, so that's the next bit is really to, to kind of connect with this idea that, that, that actually it's part of this evolved brain and, and, you know, so many of the things and not our fault. That's not to say that we don't want to take responsibility for it. That's a step in all of this too. But, but you know, we want to try to de-blame and de-shame ourselves in terms of these, these tricky brains. And then the next step really is to start to empathize. Um, empathize with ourselves, come to a place of sort of awareness and understanding of the various things were, that were at play um, sometimes there might be external factors that we we want to kind of be able to recognize. Sometimes there's internal factors um, that we want to recognize. Um, and and so, you know, trying to to really kind of bring wisdom to empathy and understanding of of ourselves in in that particular situation. Um, and then, you know, to practice, to begin the practice, I guess, it, you know, it's not easy or quick. It, I, I think the, the word here is is to begin, mm. you know, to begin to forgive ourselves. Um, we want to take the, the, the expectation off a little bit, you know, I, the, if self-forgiveness isn't black and white, it's not like, boom, I've forg- forgiven myself. It, it's really, and in fact, a nice little uh, kind of meditation almost is to sort of say to yourself, may I begin to forgive myself for what I did intentionally or unintentionally 
to cause others or myself pain in some way. May I try to acknowledge the hurt that I've caused and soften and soothe the regret or the guilt, the anger or the resentment to set myself free and to move on. And may I commit wherever possible to not cause hurt like this again to this person or anybody else uh, to the best of my abilities. So just trying to work through a little sequence like that to kind of it comes back to that softening piece that you yeah. picked up on earlier, just to sort of begin to forgive ourselves as as you know as and and to move forward with with a kind of commitment for for what what to do next. I have a little thing that I sort of do for myself that I share with people. I don't know if it's helpful or not, but i I think of the f's, which is not the f word I'm sure everyone thinks I'm going to say. But the first thing is, am I being a friend to myself? Would I say these same things to a friend? If a friend was telling me this story, what I'd say, well, come on, Batty, why'd you eat the Tim Tam? Or, you know, like, that was a really dumb, insensitive thing to say. Or would I say, sounds like you were caught in the moment? Or, you know, so first of all, F, are you being a friend? Then I do this thing where I say to myself, okay, is this a fear and a feeling or is it a fact? So say you have a conversation with someone or you do a job interview and you walk out, you know, the first thing that happens you know, after this podcast, people often ring up and say, I didn't say this and I didn't say that. And they're stuck on the ruminations of it. And I say, okay, is that a feeling and a fear or is it a fact? You know, like you did, you walk out of the interview and they all did turn to each other and say, oh, what an idiot. We're never going, you know, is that a fact or is that a fear? And often it's a, it's a fear or a feeling. And I just find it as a little easy way to kind of demarcate that Maybe my tricky brain, my complex brain, is telling me something that is unhelpful. It's not moving me to a place of safety or or security, um, and it's not helping me to be a better person or a better clinician. I'm now suddenly going to go away and worry about this podcast. No, <laughs> um, actually, no. I think those are those are good because the first one, you know, friend. I, I mean, I think self compassion is really about relating to oneself with with kind of warm friendliness mm. you know that that that's all it is it's 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 sort of just trying to to approach oneself with with warm friendliness with with a, a sort of you know softer voice tones or inner voice tones you know maybe even a, a, a kind expression on one's face you know it's it's these sort of things mm. you know? so treating oneself like a friend and then you know is it a feeling or a fear or, or is it a fact? You know that that's that discernment piece that that we talked about before, and and often uh, the barrier to the self forgiveness is is that we're we're kind of caught in our threat system. You know, it is we we are in a kind of fight, flight, freeze, appease kind of mode where where we're sort of threat system activated, and we're trying to protect ourselves from threat, and and it, it's it's sort of much more in that fear slash feeling kind of mode. But to try to shift into a more soothing system kind of mode where we're feeling calm, we help to create a sense of, of warmth and safeness, and we start to think objectively through the situation and look at the facts. So yeah, the Fs are great. Okay. And I guess before moving on to the last point, my reflection here is that as healthcare practitioners, we work in a high-performance industry and don't embrace coaching like every other high-performance like pursuit has coaching, has people that teach us how to do 
these things. I'm obviously sitting in a room with two people that do coach people in how to do these things for a job. So I guess my reflection would be it's not a failure in self at all to seek out support in getting better at this and it will actually make your whole life better because it's not necessary. We're not talking about even at the pathological end of the spectrum to want to get a coach to get better at something that's going to make our life better and our work better and us just function relationally better with people. I'm so glad you've mentioned that because compassion really flows in three directions. So we've talked mainly today about compassion for others and forgiving others and so on. And we've talked a bit about self-compassion and sort of self-forgiveness is a is a sort of an act of self-compassion. But the third flow is really being able to open ourselves up to receiving compassion from others. And I feel like, you know, kind of health practitioners often find that one yeah. the hardest, you know, to actually go to a perhaps even just a colleague, you know, maybe a coach or or a mentor or or a peer and just saying I did this thing and I'm feeling really uncomfortable about it, you know, and and quite often the other person will say, "Oh, yes, I remember when I did this other thing and and whatever." And all of a sudden things like that common humanity and shared experience can actually be very helpful around self-forgiveness as well. So yeah, we we actually like to think about you know, how can we really get balance across those three flows mm. for others, from others and for self. Yeah. Wonderful. Your number 5 is moving forward and making a commitment, I guess, to self-compassion and self-forgiveness. Uh, how hard is it to move to move all of this once you kind of you know if you're very practiced at being hugely critical of self if you're very practiced at at being harsh how hard is it to move forward and to and to be different this is kind of the work isn't it our life's work in a way because you know our tricky brains you know it it really has built in this this self criticism and it makes sense because you know, we we are a species that can monitor ourselves, and we we're, we're very concerned about you know being someone in the group that is not wanted. And if yeah. we're not wanted in the group, we're we're cast out. And if we're cast out, we're dead. Yeah, you know, kind of thing. So that's where self criticism comes from: is this this careful monitoring and critiquing of ourselves so that we stay safely in the group. So it's not easy to sort of unwind some of that. It's it's very embedded in in how we how we kind of think and 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 how we we operate from an evolutionary point of view. Um, but you know, there's there's little steps to take. You know, I sort of alluded before. Sometimes, sometimes it's even just a little shift in our inner voice tones. You know, you can sometimes say exactly the same words to ourselves. But in a slightly different voice tone, it it just kind of lands completely differently. You know, it 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 lands in a more gentle, kind of friendly, or even supportive kind of way. And then we can build in maybe some, you know, we we start to change the things we say as well, and we start to you know really try to come from a place of of calmness, but also wisdom and strength, um, and and care and caring, being committed to to sort of. Uh, to caring and being helpful towards ourselves, and we start to to just gradually change the way that we we relate to ourselves. 
Um, I, I like to think of four things, validation, uh, reassurance, affirmation, and encouragement. You know, that if we can shift to those four, where we validate our experience, you know, we're not trying to tell ourselves that we're stupid or wrong or shouldn't feel this way. We're trying to say to ourselves, yeah, it makes sense that we feel guilty about what happened. You know, that, that makes sense. That's okay. And then we reassure ourselves, you know, okay, you, you, you're doing good. We, we can get there. We can sort of improve and make things change. And then we affirm ourselves, you know, you've got a lot of good strengths, you know, you, you, you are hardworking, you're dedicated to this profession. It means a lot to you to be a good psychologist or nurse or, or whatever. And then we encourage ourselves, okay, what next? What, what's, what's the next step just to keep moving forward and, and let's make a commitment to doing some of that. So it's not easy to shift from that critical self kind of mode. But there's these little steps, voice tone, the content of what we're saying, and then starting to explore validation, reassurance, affirmation, encouragement. You know, that's, that's kind of self-compassion. I, I think the other thing about self-forgiveness and, and commitment is, is really about stopping and thinking about boundaries in a way. You know, and, and Brené Brown has this lovely way of thinking about boundaries, you know, like what's okay and what's not okay. And there's the boundary basically. And, and so I think that, that you know, when we move from self-forgiveness, the, the key is to commit to really kind of setting and maintaining certain boundaries for others um, in a sense. But often boundaries is really about how we maintain these boundaries for ourselves. You know, how, and, and even when it's to do with others, it's often us being well-bounded about what's okay and what's, what's not okay from others, but also around self-forgiveness and identifying our own boundaries for ourselves and how we can commit to that and move forward on that basis, I think. Mm. I think the reflection that's, that I'm getting from, uh, from listening to this is there's this critical part that starts all of this process off, which is actually recognizing some sort of feeling in ourselves because it's not often as clear as going, oh, geez, I'm really stuck on this thing that I did wrong. It might be something like, I, I love this phrase and it's not, we're not all nail biters, but what are you thinking about when you're biting your nails? So if you catch yourself doing something that you feel is like a stress manifestation. that Eating chips, yeah, that's that it you'll for me. Learn to learn to recognize <laughs> in yourself. It's, it's forced mindfulness almost of going, what am, I, what am I thinking about right now? Um, bringing that to the front so that you can actually start to go through the process that you said, which I think is often one of the missing pieces for a lot of us when we're just, our brains are so busy and we're just getting on and getting on and coping and going back to work the next day of going, actually, what's my tick? What's my thing that's showing I'm not okay? And learning to feel that early. I feel sometimes for me, I, I get this weird little gut drop feeling where I'll be, and, and it's often when I'm driving because obviously my brain's just attending to driving, but there's something being processed there and I'll get this kind of sense of like a, oh, geez, like almost like an anxiety gut drop, totally not because of something that's happening when I'm driving. And that's that's been a really recognizable cue for me to go, hey, what's what am I thinking about? What's my What am I processing here? and bring it out so and yeah. then start to go through a process that is learnt over time from listening and reading 
um, the wisdom of people like you guys. Yeah, I mean, it's the key first step, isn't it? It's yeah. very difficult to do the next steps without being able to step out of autopilot to become uh, the, the sort of phrase for me is sort of mind awareness. You know, mm. How can we start to develop awareness of our own minds and what it's doing? The, the one I often refer to is, you know, when you're lying in bed at the end of the day and the lights are out and everything's quiet, what's the thing that's really ticking over? What's the thing that's troubling you? And, 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 you know, that bringing awareness in and around all of that is, is a key first step. So many fantastic points. This will be at one of our longest podcasts yet, but I'm going to make a very feeble attempt to summarize what we've been talking about today. So number one, we spoke about what is forgiveness and what it isn't. And I guess what you taught us is it's not about making yourself more vulnerable. It's not condoning poor behavior. It's about softening, perhaps what we've been talking about and creating some boundaries about, you know, what is and isn't okay to say to ourselves or to others um, and bringing some attention, I guess, to all of that. Number two is what happens when we fail to forgive ourselves. And I you know, we talked about how toxic it can be, um, that it's quite demotivating. You can't kind of shame yourself uh, or anger yourself into getting somewhere else. And so this can lead to rumination and at worst, burnout and depression. So it's really worth some investment in learning how to be more self-forgiving. Number three is understanding that self-forgiveness is an act of self-compassion. And if we're able to be sensitive to our own suffering, then we start to be able to alleviate some of this suffering through self-forgiveness. And I noticed a quote from one of your books said, compassion is one of the most courageous and wise of all our motives. I loved that. So number four is how might we forgive ourselves? Um, and we, I guess you just encouraged us to recognize that our brains are really tricky and complex and can sometimes give us messages that are unhelpful. And so to bring some empathy and some quiet to those busy brains and to pay attention to the process and then, you know, move to a point of forgiveness from there. And then last but not least was moving forward and making a commitment. And you gave us some really important points around, you know, how to validate, how to reassure, how to affirm, and then how to encourage. And in all amongst that, you know, where are our boundaries and recognizing that empathy is a competency of compassion. Stan, this has been fantastic. We are so very grateful for your precious time today, uh, reminding people that you have a wonderful book called The Gifts of Compassion, How to Understand and Overcome Suffering. Thank you, Stan. Thank you very much for having me. The Royal Brisbane and Women's Hospital Five Things Nursing Podcast acknowledges the Turrbal and Yagara as the First Nations owners of the lands we now tread. We pay respect to their elders, laws, customs and creation spirits. We recognise that these lands have always been places of healing, teaching and learning. We also wish to acknowledge the First Nations people of the lands of our global community and encourage our listeners to seek out, listen, and learn from the knowledge held in your shared space. As well as all major podcast outlets, you can find us at fivethingsnursing.podbean.com. Please also subscribe and give us a rating on your listening platform of choice. This helps others find the podcast. 
And finally, if you'd like to connect with Liz or myself on Twitter, we can be found at LizCrow2. And for me, it's inject underscore orange. We would absolutely love to hear your thoughts, ideas, or feedback. Thanks for listening to Five Things 